Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Booze, Booms and Busts. My name is Boaz Shoshan and I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkering. This is the podcast where we drink beer, review beer, but more importantly uh, have a good discussion on what's been going on in financial markets over the last week and discuss investment themes more generally. Now Sam, it has been a pretty wild week in all manner of ways. Uh, it's been interesting to see Bitcoin is uh, shooting for the moon once again yeah. and uh, at the same time we've seen some uh, there's been some interesting uh, action elsewhere in fact you've become a little bearish on the nasdaq i understand yeah um now where where exactly should we start off for today what would oh you like my to god do? where to start <laughs> i don't know there's so much to go through i'm going to start by telling everyone what i'm drinking so that i don't so that we're not like half an hour into this and then everyone and then <laughs> we, we haven't actually mentioned it so before we do anything uh again because of our our somewhat um uh, our small hiccup with the delivery of a, of a batch of beers a couple of weeks ago. We are drinking different beers uh, today. Uh, I've got two, but the first one is the Wheat Meat Again, an American wheat beer from the Electric Bear Brewing Co., which is oh. a 4.4% uh, American wheat beer. Yeah. And, I have had that before, actually. Oh, it's a, it's a good thing that, uh, that we've both, uh, yeah, that, you, that you've had it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah well, so I've, I've cracked that and started to, to pour that. I, I do love the can. It's a, it's got some artwork of some description. I'm very poor with my description of artwork, but it looks almost like it's some sort of um, a classic artist uh, uh, work of art on the front. I, I can't even describe it. It's like small flowers or something. <laughs> it's very color. It's very colorful. It's very, very nice to look at. What's the brewery, Sam? Uh, the electric bear brewing oh, co. Okay. Oh, Electric beer, um, but so far so good. Uh, good. American wheat beer. On my side, uh, I've got a similar kind of thing. Uh, this one I definitely not had before. This is a Belgian wheat beer, and it probably has one of the most complicated names that of all the ones that we've had, Ooh. as it's actually, uh, I believe, a set of coordinates. So I won't Ooh. go through all of it, but it's uh, effectively fifty degrees north, four degrees east. But with, uh, you know, it's much more specific than just 50 degrees and four degrees. Uh, yeah, awful load of numbers here. Uh, bright yellow label. It's a B Belgian wit beer. And it's uh, got a red sort of grid on it. So, you know, sort of pointing out the latitude and longitude and everything. And, um, yeah, it's by Three Hills Brewing, which I'm not sure I've actually had before, Three Hills. Interesting mm -hmm. name. Um, but yeah, Belgian wit beer and uh, quite mild, all things considered. Well, five uh, percent, okay, maybe not that mild, but mild enough. Um, it definitely <laughs> tastes pretty mild. Um, but yeah, now we've uh, now we've got the beer out of the way, Sam. Yes, right. Through those uh, and tell us what uh, what have you been looking at this? Well, down to business. So there's a um, couple of things. Uh, may as well kick off with with the with the Bitcoin thing because you're right. The Bitcoin uh, price, the Bitcoin fiat denominated value has uh, taken a little turn higher over the last week and a bit. Um, and interestingly, uh, it has now uh, surged past, well, I wouldn't say surged past, it's now just tipped past 10,000 pounds for one Bitcoin, which is uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, thing to consider that just, just one of the one Bitcoin can be worth 10,000 pounds. So that has only ever happened twice previously uh the first time it crossed ten thousand pounds was back in uh late 2017 during the epic uh mega bull run that we saw yeah. and then in um july 2019 when it went on a sort of a, another quite quite epic uh bull run uh from sort of 
early 2019 to mid 2019 again so it punched punch, just punched past 10,000 pounds per bitcoin then and it has happened again uh, just in the last few days now does that mean it's you know does this does this mean we're at the start of the next mega bull run where you know it goes past 20 50 even 100,000 pounds or is this a sort of repeat of 2019 i mean it's 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 the question that everyone wants to know it's like oh is 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 it going to happen again now because you know these 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 sort of very sharp hard fast runs uh in in bitcoin and other crypto seemingly come out of nowhere um interestingly though there's a few things that have been happening in the bitcoin and crypto world that may have been a bit of a uh spark that lit the fire underneath it um one of those is that we are now seeing more publicly listed companies adding Bitcoin to their treasury management. Uh, MicroStrategy is, is famously uh, very heavily into Bitcoin now. There's also a couple of other listed companies that are starting to, to add Bitcoin to the mix. Uh, uh, Square, the, the American payments company, uh, are founded and, and run by Jack Dorsey, who founded and runs Twitter. Uh, Square is, is also in the Bitcoin space, allowing their users to buy. And they also have purchased Bitcoin as part of their treasury management. But then the big one, which came this week, was that PayPal has now enabled people to buy and hold cryptocurrencies within their PayPal app. Uh, so that's, that's significant because I think PayPal's got something like three, over 340 million uh, active users. So, you know, there's a lot going on in that space to sort of indicate that maybe maybe Bitcoin's going to start to become a little bit more accepted, legitimized and used by hundreds of millions of people. So it is, uh, it is pretty interesting. This most recent surge. So, you know, just at the time of us recording this, it is, uh, it is Friday. We're uh, heading from the afternoon into the evening and Bitcoin's up 1100 pounds this week. So you know, by you know, when we did our last podcast, Bitcoin was uh, about about a grand cheaper, roughly. That's pretty wild that uh, it moved, it's you know just so aggressive. That you think with the like, I've not looked into the actual structure of the custody that PayPal is taking for the Bitcoin. Yeah, it, I I assume you have a bit. If you could enlighten me a bit yeah. when it comes to. Uh, you know, has PayPal been Hoover in order to do this and in the run up to the announcement, do you reckon they would have had to Hoover up quite a lot of the supply uh, or, or a fair amount of Bitcoin supply just in order to, um, what would the word be, to facilitate this kind of Bitcoin transaction? Um, no, and, no, right. no's the short answer to that. <laughs> right. So are, they just, are they just plugged into one of the major yeah. Bitcoin exchanges then? Right. Yeah, yeah. So they've actually plugged in with... Um, a company called Paxos. So Paxos right. is effectively the back end that's going to allow PayPal users to buy, hold, and sell crypto. Now, right. so the interesting thing that, about this PayPal announcement, so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's good and it's bad. It's good because it's PayPal and because we, we're talking about hundreds of millions of users. It's bad because PayPal won't allow their users to transfer their Bitcoin or, or, or other cryptocurrencies um, so I think it's like Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, believe it or not. And um, Bcash. Something, yeah, Bcash is on the list of, of ones they can buy, um, which is a, a, maybe another discussion for another day. Yeah, it is. It but is. <laughs> uh, you won't be able to transfer them out. So you might be able to buy 
uh, say Bitcoin within your PayPal account, but then you can't send it to a wallet that you own. So within this sense, you know, anything that you hold within your PayPal account, um, you won't necessarily have the private keys for, so you don't really even control it. That's really interesting, man. So but it's just the, it's like the custody shares in a gold ETF and now never yeah. getting the gold. It's just a yeah. derivative. Yeah, uh-huh. look, in, in, it, 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 it is in that sense. It is almost a derivative. Um, I, I do believe, though, that Paxos will be holding the actual custody. So, it, so it, yeah, it, so if everyone, everyone is, you know, if everyone is being decent and honorable here, yeah. they'll just be like owning a few shares in a yeah. trustworthy bullying ETF or trustworthy yeah. commodity ETF and then just paying with the shares. Yeah, look, realistically, it's probably no different to um, just buying and holding stocks in an, in an ISA through like HL or II right. or, you know, whatever the, you know, those, those guys, you, you buy, Press you buy spending. shares, you do get a share, you know, contract note. And, but at the end of the day, it's not, not like you, most people are going to take, you know, a share certificate, file it away in their, you know, folder or anything like that. So in that sense, but you can there's, send I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the magic here. Yeah. Well, that's the magic here, is that you yeah, can be used as a means of exchange. It's like, yeah. Outside. Yeah, and look, I've spoken about this before. Is that if you think about Bitcoin like like that, like a like a like a stock, like a share, which I don't necessarily think is the best thing to do, but but nonetheless, just in in terms of it's something with value that can be broken down into smaller parts and traded on or sold or bought or used in exchange for goods. I think that we will start to see very quickly that sort of uh, concept come out with stocks. So like you know, you might have a, a, um, a Robin Hood account and Robin Hood might come out with like a payment card, a Visa debit card or something. And in, in you want to maybe buy, I don't know, a something from like a sports memorabilia shop, <laughs> a Michael Jordan, yeah, yeah. Bar, just anything, right? You might want to buy a pint of milk, um, Mars a Mars bar. And, um, and you'll be able to pay with your stocks. Now there's obviously there's there's some 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 intricacies around things yeah, like tax, that. Yeah, tax, I think, tax the tax and gains and that sort of stuff. That, yeah. yeah, which so again, which which makes some of these things. But but again, it, it's it's asking questions of a system that we've used for so long that maybe needs some upheaval uh, around, you know, you know, around those concepts around capital gains and tax and things like that. So again, it's it's not you know, these aren't things that will necessarily be solved or, or will happen overnight, but it, it's asking the question, it's pushing the ideas around innovation and what money is and how we use it, how we interact with it, you know, whether assets can be money and whether money can be assets and, and how we can trade and exchange those. So, you know, something like PayPal opens up a lot more, I guess, conversation rather than just, oh my God, you can buy and hold and sell Bitcoin. I think it really makes us look at, how what what assets are and how we can use them and how they can be bought and sold and spent all over the place even it does go sorry no no carry on um and and i was going to say that even comes down to something like property as well um and the idea of tokenizing property and using property more as an investment and getting a a much more clear real-time valuation and understanding of property markets i think you know this it's a it's a really it's a it's a big expanding idea when you start to break down the fact that all assets can effectively be tokenized, bought, sold, traded, 
uh, in real time. And, and yeah, I think and, that's and a big trend to come. Yeah, and exchanged, exchanged yeah. Exchanged as, as a form of money, I think. Uh, yeah, that's something I think uh, that could be really wild if that happens in the future. I, uh, you're probably not gonna gonna appreciate me doing this so much, but I'll make another sort of comparison with it with the gold idea. Like similarly, if you're talking about, you know, PayPal is the one with the custody over the Bitcoin, and they're just effectively effectively what they're doing is issuing you a digital banknote that yeah. allows you to exchange. So you never see what the banknote actually, um, you know, what is what the asset that's held secured against that banknote. You know, it's yeah. very old school, but in a digital in the digital space. And then just allowing you to, to pay for things with it. So mm. just like you know, uh, a dollar bill used to be a silver certificate with some silver held at the bank. PayPal is allowing you to exchange a digital certificate that means Bitcoin, but it isn't actually Bitcoin. I wonder, you know, similarly, uh, you know, some people have tried this with gold in the past. You know, gold money is a very large business now, uh, and they were all about issuing, uh, you know, uh, debit cards which were secured against gold, so you could spend gold. Yeah. at the current rate so you know it would it would do the foreign exchange transaction as soon as you made the you know the payment or whatever and they would net all these transactions off against each other but you'd be able to own own gold in you know in a vault in switzerland and then be able to spend it and you know through visa they would be able to work it out in a way that they would sell the gold at that price and, and whatnot so in theory you'd be able to spend gold the, the, the question is why would you want to spend gold if you're really bullish on gold yeah you probably just want to own it and not spend it I wonder with this, with what PayPal is doing with Bitcoin, whether or not this is actually a good thing or whether or not this is actually something of a poison chalice. Mm. Because, I mean, the reason why, like, I remember we, we, uh, I remember we, all, we uh, had a discussion, I think this would have been two years, yeah, in fact, this would have been 2018. So this would have been two years ago now. And I remember uh, we were having a, a podcast round, a discussion, and I was wondering whether or not or, or when we were going to see a Bitcoin ETF. And uh, you were, of course, uh, quite uh, quite you know contrarian to this idea. You were not you were not a fan of this idea because you thought it betrayed ultimately what Bitcoin is meant to be. Like yeah. meant, you're, the, the idea is you are not going to a custodian. You are not going to an intermediary. The whole yeah. point is you're destroying the intermediary and allowing everyone to take uh, you know sovereignty over their own wealth and you know be able to just hold their Bitcoin themselves. The whole idea of an ETF for an asset like that seems quite strange. I wonder if this is something similar because ultimately if, if PayPal is the one that you're going to for this, I mean, what, what, what is the point of Bitcoin? I mean, why, why has PayPal done this? I think is a, I would love to know what the answer is because I wouldn't have thought that there was that much demand for PayPal to do this. I mean, if you're a Bitcoiner, then you, you know how to transact it yourself anyway. Yeah. If you're not a Bitcoiner, but you're kind of interested in it, you probably just want to buy and hold some rather than spend some, I would imagine. I find it interesting why they do it. Do you think this is because they're trying to get ahead of something? And if they control, if they're the custodians, you know, they're ultimately, they're not giving the power of Bitcoin to the people at all. Um, I mean, what, why do you think, why do you think they've decided to make that decision? Do you think it's just a good commercial decision because they've able yeah. to clip the fees? Yeah, look, I think it's a couple of things. So I think one, it's absolutely in response to Square and the ability that Square has implemented with their users to be able to buy and sell Bitcoin. And the fact that Square has gotten more into PayPal's territory in that sense. So I think PayPal doesn't want to lose um, users uh, to Square. So I think that's part of it for sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think they're also just getting ahead of the fact that they had this discussion with Kit Winder the other day about uh, banks 
And the thing that banks have always traded on is trust. So banks are inherently a, a organizations of trust. Um, and that trust comes with people's money and to have, you know, to trust an organization with your money is almost the ultimate form of trust because most people are crazy defensive over their money, but they're happy to hold it in a bank regardless of the, uh, I guess, actions that that bank takes with some of the things it does. <laughs> people still inherently trust banks or at least certain generations of people still inherently trust banks. But that, that is going to change because I think that we're starting to see a whole, you know, whole flood of generations, which is sort of probably around our ages and below that don't have that trust in the banks and that they're aware enough as to how banks operate and, and some of the nefarious actions that banks have taken over time. And I think that companies like PayPal and Square and, Stripe and you know all those related sort of fintech companies uh, are looking to to build trust within the people that in the next fifty years will be you know their core company core customers because the banks without the, without trust the banks don't have a lot they have financial products but all those financial products and things that they offer can now be offered by the likes of PayPal or Binance I can get a savings account on Binance with a you know stable coin so I think that they're they're looking to appeal to a technology generation that the banks will probably lose so there's a big shift a big transition in 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 how we look at money and how we the organizations that we trust with money as well um, so I think that's part of it as well. And then also at the same time, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a tie up with Paxos. Um, so I think it's just a value add for their customers, probably more than anything. I don't think it's going to probably generate a whole huge new revenue base for them. I also think that you're right that people who know Bitcoin and have done for a while will see that it's not really for them because you can't move it around outside of the PayPal ecosystem. There will be people, but I think the bulk of people will probably look at it to use because it's easy. And in in this in a sense, that's that's what most people, you know, if we if we're talking about a world where Bitcoin's a sort of central um, universal currency for the internet and online and able to be moved around the world, most people don't give a shit about the blockchain. They do not care about miners. They don't care about hardware devices. They don't care about private keys. They just want to know how to get it and how to spend it and just have some trust in an organization like PayPal or Square that it's still going to be there when they wake up tomorrow morning. And so that ties back into that whole idea around trust and, and these, these companies like PayPal and Square being sort of the next bank for the new generations. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's a big part of it is that it's just to be there for their users to be easy to, to do because mm. I think they see what's inevitably coming is that people don't necessarily trust banks anymore and, Cryptocurrency is very much a, sort of against the financial system, against the banking system. And so they're kind of hedging their bets somewhat, I think, with this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, ju I just wonder if it's, uh, if this action by PayPal, uh, if, for example, 
PayPal increases the use of Bitcoin transactions via PayPal, which aren't really Bitcoin transactions. It would just be PayPal making the transaction. Yeah. But, uh, in doing so, if, if, for example, PayPal managed to hoover up the majority of so-called Bitcoin transactions, you know, people spending Bitcoin, people go to PayPal first rather than just spending it themselves. I wonder if in doing so, they effectively cage that bird, right? They've just kind of annulled the risk that yeah. Bitcoin would actually ever be anything other than a speculative asset. You know, it would be anything other than this supposedly supposed means of exchange, right? Um, yeah, I wonder if if this is if this is ultimately a good thing for Bitcoin or a bad thing for for Bitcoin. The I, I do I do agree though. It's a very interesting idea of yours with uh, when it comes to you know people the the concept of trust and for millennials trusting things like PayPal more than you would trust a bank. I think mm-hmm. that's a very it's quite a rich a rich seam because. You know, if you're making these, uh, you know, people do trust PayPal ultimately. It's very, very, very reliable. If you're trying to make any kind of payment, you may have an issue with their foreign exchange fees and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's a very, a very incredibly efficient company. Yeah. And uh, similarly, with, when it comes, when you talk about, you know, people trust banks with their money, regardless of what the bank is up to. I think there's, about the, there's a similar thing with Bitcoin, right? People trust the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. It's all yeah. about trust there. But there are plenty of Bitcoin Bitcoiners out there who, who have some. Uh, you know, done some pretty morally re- reprehensible things, but that's not what colors people's perception of Bitcoin too much. Well, it does, it does for some people. I mean, that's one of the one of the arguments that they use to tar Bitcoin is like, well, you know, there are arms dealers who are using this as a means of exchange, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that's why we should do it. But yeah, it is a it is an interesting interesting concept there. With but I think if, if you, it's just just on just on that idea, right? So you, you know, yeah, arms dealers use Bitcoin. Yeah, they do. Terrorist groups use Bitcoin. Yeah, they do, and and they also use you know dollars. And we've we've said that before. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's like no, don't, don't worry. Yeah. Well, so wait, no, no, no. The point was is that when I say people don't trust banks, they don't trust the organization. Or I think that the people stop trusting the organizations. I don't think people will stop trusting money. And in that sense, you know, people don't. It's not that people don't trust a dollar or a pound. They don't trust those that have the influence over that money to to impact its value if that makes sense so when you which politicians and 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 central bankers the thing that really separates bitcoin and cryptocurrencies well particularly bitcoin some of the other cryptocurrencies not so much but bitcoin is that there is no there's not necessarily in that kind of authority that can impact uh the mechanisms of bitcoin because of its decentralized nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't, you, the people won't necessarily trust the organizations that uh, will hold and store or manage or, you know, enable Bitcoin. So, you know, people won't necessarily trust all the exchanges or, you know, or the future Bitcoin banks might not necessarily trust the organizations that deal in it. But the good thing is about Bitcoin or anything like that is that you can be your own bank in that sense, is that you can store and hold it because you don't need you know you don't need the physical denominations you don't need a safe you don't need physical gold or things like that so it's in it, it just it it you know there's there's no necessary right or wrong answer and how it plays out in the next sort of 10 15 50 100 years we'll see but it just gives us a whole new way of looking at money assets stores of value and then the organizations that have control or influence over it, the people that have control or influence over it, and who has control over your money really 
And I think that that's a, that's a power dynamic, which, which what cryptocurrencies really sort of bring to the table and make people think about more seriously. Mm. Yeah. On the, uh, on the, on the topic of, I mean, we're, we're sort of uh, moving over to one side, I suppose, but you, uh, interestingly, you've become uh, somewhat bearish on the NASDAQ recently, yeah. which is kind of, a, kind of a play against this whole sort of technology trend and fintech and things like that. What's, uh, what's, what's made you think that, you know, now, now is the time, um, you know, this thing really can't carry on for much longer. Yeah, look, I, I, this isn't, this isn't a long, this isn't a long play by me, but I, I, I've decided to, to get, uh, some money into a NASDAQ 100, uh, ETF that shorts the NASDAQ 100 because, so again, I think it's important to preface. It's really that big end of the NASDAQ that worries me the most and that I think is wildly overvalued. And I, that's, that's why I'm shorting it. That's not, that's not to say that there aren't maybe companies within there that might still do well. But I think when you look at the, 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 the values that Apple and Amazon and Nvidia and uh, Netflix, the, the, those, those companies that are right up there really in the big part of tech, you know, multiples of a hundred times, uh, 150 times, 200 times or more, even 50 times is 80 times. These sorts of valuations are just not viable. And I cannot see there being any other way for that top end to not correct significantly in the next 18 months. I know. And that's, the, I mean, that's, I've, I've we've said for a while that, some of the the way that they're valued and the price values they're given. And, and uh, as you said uh, last uh, episode about the Tina effect, um, yes, there is no other option, but soon enough, even investors will be like, why am I buying a stock that realistically, you know, isn't going to turn into a $5 trillion stock? Well, I mean, come on, Apple's not going to be a $5 trillion stock. That's, that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, I've got to short the NASDAQ 100. I, mean, I, I genuinely believe that, 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 you know, those top 100 stocks are just far too overvalued and I see a correction coming. But all these, I still think there's this, this crazy opportunity in, in a lot of um, the, the world markets outside of that. And so I'm long with a lot of companies as well. So, you know, it's, but, but they're all smaller. They're not all necessarily tech, um, especially with everything that's happened this year. You know, there's, you know, some, some companies that I think are great in, in defense and aerospace and, and, and those sorts of areas that I think lot people should be long with. So it's a, uh, it's very niche, very specific play on those very big tech stocks. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was, <laughs> I was looking through the NASDAQ the other day and I actually found a company. I, I didn't think it was there, um, which was uh, monster energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I've given that company Lord knows how much money through the years from my, <laughs> uh, from my thirst for their great energy drink. Yeah. Like one of the best performing stocks of all time. They are. Yeah. If you had, you know, $10 in that thing when it IPO'd and you just held it, you would be a million, a millionaire in dollar terms, at least, yep. uh, you know, it's one of the it's most wild. incredibly, you know, I think it's incredibly, you know, under, you know, it's not people don't speak about it nearly enough as they should. I mean, the, this is a company that 
uh, you know, it's just done incredible things for shareholders. Yeah. Really, just uh, just marvelous work. And uh, it's it's uh, I find it interesting that it's actually made it into the Nasdaq 100. I didn't think it had gotten that that high up the chain, but you know, it's like 40 billion dollar company now. And uh, it's something I've always been think- thinking. You know, if this thing just gets, you know, if there's just a big snap, this is one of the stocks I, I, I would actually like to buy because it's, uh, you know, at, the, at least then I can get some of my money back via dividends. And uh, you know, and, but it's actually a Nasdaq 100 stock. I mean, I, and I'm guilty uh, as much as the next guy of, uh, you know, viewing the Nasdaq as a tech index, right? Yeah. Uh, and yet there it is, Monster Energy's in there. Uh, it seems like. Yeah, they do. There's, there's an, there is an interesting mix of companies that is in this. You're right. It's not all necessarily tech, uh, but there's sufficient number of tech companies in there. So, I mean, if I pull up the net, I can pull it up right now. I've got a great little um, website that has all the, the real time uh, NASDAQ 100 stocks. And so you're looking at, you know, Activision, Blizzard, Alphabet, Amazon, AMD, Apple, you know, obviously going through it um, alphabetically, you know, Autodesk, uh, Cisco, Citrix, you know, Costco is up in there. Costco is not a, not a tech stock. Not a tech stock, no. But, but then eBay, Electronic Arts, Expedia, Facebook, um, Gilead Sciences, Illumina, um, again, all NASDAQ, Intel, Intuit, Intuitive Surgical, JD.com, uh, Marriott. Marriott's not a tech stock. No. Microsoft, Monster, not a tech stock, Netflix, <laughs> NVIDIA. Um, I'm sure they all have websites. So that has Qualcomm, Sirius XM, Tesla, for fuck's sake. Kraft Heinz Company, NASDAQ, not, that's not tech. <laughs> they so all have websites, Sam. So they're tech stocks, really. Well, I mean, everything's a tech stock, isn't it? Because, I mean, like McDonald's is a tech stock. Actually, I want to talk about McDonald's in a bit, um, just separately. But McDonald's is a tech stock because McDonald's is rolling out AI in their drive throughs to be more efficient in anticipating at particular times of the day the sorts of foods that they need to have more of or less of so that they're operating more efficiently. I mean, McDonald's is using AI. So maybe, why isn't Mac as a tech company as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, uh, you know, there was that big thing with WeWork trying to say that they were a tech company, right? Mm. What, what makes a tech company a tech company? Because you know, when, it, when a label becomes successful and it, you know, uh, it provides prestige, everybody wants to get it, even if they're not worthy of the label, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd argue BHP and some of the mining companies are tech stocks. Yeah, because they use crazy good tech, right? It, it, uh, like the, what they've been able to do in terms of developing mining technology. I mean, BHP were using autonomous... Um, trucks in their minds you know a decade ago yep uh, i think i think that the thing with tech the idea of a tech stock and it's never technology stock is it it's always no. it's always the abbreviation yeah. it is the tech stock and as a result it doesn't really just mean technology no. it's something to do with the brand of silicon valley and the internet and the startup culture i think it, you know it's tied in totally with that unicorn idea i think definitely definitely yeah. I, 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 I will just point out just quickly that the nasdaq 100 is down today <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm already up i'm already winning <laughs> oh there you are I mean, you've been you've been vindicated already mate. i've been vindicated on the day <laughs> how are you going to spend your winnings what uh, how many rolls royces are you going to buy i'm gonna i'm gonna cash in and go long uh, uh crude oil <laughs> <laughs> not monster energy oh come on 
Also, you know what? The amount of times I've looked at Monster Energy over the, I've looked at it over the years. I've never invested in it, but over the years I've looked at it. I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should invest in this. You know, maybe it's, I think it was probably about three or four years ago. So what's that? 2016. And it was like, yeah, it was probably around 50 bucks. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. And then you sort of look back at it and it's just, go, oh, it's just sort of gone bonkers. But then it sort of kept going bonkers. And, you know, it's, it's a byproduct of just the raging Tina effect and, and, and the, the, the bull market that, that has kicked into the, to the US markets, to the US, to the NASDAQ. I don't, I mean, a monster, looking at the Yahoo Finance information here, monster is, looks like it's trading at a PE ratio of 37 times. That's still yeah. ridiculous. Like third, but it's done that for such a long time. That's the thing. Yeah. I think I, I wonder how much for so many of these, like and Monster included, how much of their recent success over this year is purely the fact that they are inside the NASDAQ, that NASDAQ yep. one. So they're just absorbing yeah. all of the massive flows to go. That fund that. flow for the NASDAQ ETFs and, and funds. Absolutely. Well, who, know, no who, knows, who knows, mate? Maybe it's because uh, we're all stuck inside. We're all looking at our, our computers. And of course, Monster Energy is never actually drunk by athletes. It's really just drunk by people who play video games. Well, well, yeah, well hang on. Games. Hang on. Let me hold you up. I'm going to pull you up on that for a second. All right. Because two, I mean, of, I did think it worked, but, two, yeah. of, two of Monster, Monster's biggest global superstars because obviously Monster's a bit like Red Bull, you know, they get, they have a lot of sponsorships. So I, yeah, Monster Energy, it, but it, let me put it this way. When I was a, a lot younger, I, you know, was heavily into things like motocross and stuff like that. I never rode, but I always loved it. And Monster were really big on those sorts yeah. of more yeah, sort yeah. Of stream game style stuff. Yeah. But interestingly enough, two of their biggest global superstar names right now are Tiger Woods and Lewis Hamilton. Like they mm -hmm. don't scream monster beverage at you, do they? No, not really. No. But nonetheless, I mean, Tiger Woods, when I saw Tiger Woods rocking a monster energy bag, uh, when he was playing, you know, not that long ago, I was like, what? Yeah. What? Well, you don't really think of monster when you're thinking of extreme. Well, sorry. You don't think of golf when you're thinking of extreme no. sport, is no. it? You don't it's think of Tiger funny. Woods. Yeah. And with the, uh, you know, with the, I mean, we, we uh, first name Tiger. I mean, you know, maybe there's a, Maybe. And he did, he's, of course, uh, an exceptional athlete. I just wonder, you know, even the logo, I mean, it doesn't really suit itself to, you know, golf apparel, does it? You know, the, no, the weird no. three sort of uh, three three spokes with the M. Yeah. It but a great seem... story, nonetheless. Again, a great, great investment story. And actually, so oh, do yeah, you know monster. what? And the thing that worries me about something like Monster, while we're just on it, because... Um, is is there was another you know under armor was kind of i i look at under armor almost the same way that i look at um uh monster and under armor was actually a really great stock and then it tanked well they <laughs> had the whole corporate scandal uh, yeah which monster yeah. did not have thankfully but uh, but, Mon but under armor's never recovered yeah that's how bad the scandal was <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty. Uh, if I if I recall some of the details, it it wasn't really a very glowing. Uh, well, it wasn't a, a glowing uh, reflection of the company. But at the same time, I mean, they were in the business of selling, uh, you know, Under Armour sports apparel, which is different from an energy drink that you know I just drink when I'm doing my work. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it, it just tastes really good. Massive caffeine hit, and uh, you know, you get all of these uh, additional. Uh, fortifications in the, in the ingredients, so all manner of uh, vitamins. Uh, what was the name of it? Is it uh, what's the name of that acid? Uh, pantothenic acid. Lots of pantothenic <laughs> acids. So it's a nootropic, apparently. 
sure it's uh, very good for the brain. Um, whereas Under Armour, I mean, they are they are in the business of selling clothes, and uh, you know, slightly different, uh, slightly different business. I would, I would similar say. demographics, though. Very yeah. similar demographics. Very similar so customers. In lockdown, though, has that not changed? I mean, who's buying sports apparel now? Unless you're doing a load of, if unless you've really taken to the lockdown as your chance to be born again as a you know a a ripped uh, you know uh, you know magazine fitness model. I mean, who is actually going out there buying a load of Under Armour gear? Well, I, I wonder who's going out and buying Monster Energy drinks too. Well, right? other than me. Because <laughs> well, no, it's just used by so many people who play video games just so they can play all night. I, 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 I bet you demand from that is that it's probably increased from, uh, from lockdown. That's just me. That's my assumption, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well, anyway, I mean, it's interesting because, like, so I, I was going to just quickly on, on that last last thing um, is that I think I saw that Coca-Cola has seen a, a quite a significant drop off in their sales during this period. And they own a number of similar uh, beverage companies to Monster. So uh, I would be, it'd be interesting to see what, what the sorts of um, numbers that Monster has or hasn't been doing in this period is actually like. That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, have you? Did you actually try Coca Cola's attempt at Coca Cola Energy? So, just to, I'm going to throw this wild one at you because you would never have come across this. But one of the biggest energy drinks went. So, in the Australian market, Red Bull obviously came out and dominated the market. Um, Monster came out and tried to dominate the market and never really did. They're still there. They still have a presence. Uh, Rockstar again. I think they're Rockstar's part of Coca Cola Company now. Uh, Rockstar sucks. Uh, it. It, it tried as well and failed. But the, 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 the second biggest um, energy drink in Australia um, next to Red Bull was this energy drink called V. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all it was. It was just V energy drink. And it came in a green can and the, the, the zero sugar one was in a silver can. And it was huge. And I think, I think they ended up being bought out by the Coca-Cola company. I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up, but I don't know. But that was it was huge. But again, you know, Coke. So Coke in Australia, the, it wasn't the Coca Cola energy drink. I remember when they tried that, and it stank as well. Right. Yeah. So the, this is the thing. I was actually having a conversation uh, with my girlfriend recently on Coca Cola, and you know, the just the how it's the best brand in the world. Like it's the biggest success story for a brand. And you're wondering, uh, you know, our colleague Kit Window was asking, you know, what would be a stock that you'd buy for 50 years? And it is hard to imagine what would, how Coca-Cola would not exist in the future, how it would not manage to survive, buy out all of the newcomers that come up with the new things uh, and be able to still carry on as a brand. Um, and, you know, it, it, you know, it is so, such a compelling uh, such a compelling story. It is such a great track record in uh, paying dividends to shareholders. You know, it is one of the key dividend aristocrats out there. Uh, and, it, you know, it's been a great, it's been a great stock for the likes of Warren Buffett. However, with that said, when, you know, when you have a company of such means, of such resources, and they try to make an energy drink, they make Coca-Cola energy, right? So this is one of the best companies in the world, gigantic uh, you know, they could they could access as much capital as they want. They're, mm. they're so big. And they just made it taste. It, rubbish, it tasted yeah. disgusting. This was awful. Like, there, there was nobody saying that this is a great drink. Nobody's drinking it now. How is it 
that such a company is it it made me wonder whether or not our our faith in coca-cola in general is really on sound foundations because how could they mess something up this so badly it's not like there aren't numerous you know uh, existing successful energy drinks that they could just duplicate it's not as though that they can draw on any of that um, and they just need to try and get that coca-cola taste inside an energy drink and uh, and they couldn't they just messed it up it was a, it was a royal catastrophe and it made me wonder whether or not we should have such faith in coca-cola in general uh, and not in upstarts yeah. like monster yeah i think but so yes and no i think you you've got to understand that you know they i think companies like that so they make they will make errors they always do make errors but so they they've also got the resources to make errors and and not have it really impact them so they can make those places because if it had been perfect it would have just taken them to a whole new level but it hasn't really crippled them but when you think about so they may have failed with the energy drink but think about the significance uh that they've had with coke zero right um coke zero is effectively i think it outsells their classic coke now which is crazy (laughs) <laughs> like when you go I, I don't think I, I can't remember the last time I actually had a normal can of Coke it was it's always like Coke Zero now so they might miss with some things like that but it can afford to have a stab but then they'll be hugely successful with other stuff as well and there are also obviously more than just though no, there's so many brands under Coca-Cola um, which it is you know it is it is one of those sort of epic stocks that it's hard to consider that people won't continue to buy you know their their brands and their their products for the next hundred years yeah well that's the thing so i i'm generally on the side that somehow they'll manage to survive because it's been such a great success story however it was just that experience yeah of it that i was like how could you mess something that really should be quite simple for you up so badly that was what i was like hmm maybe things aren't you know maybe maybe everything's not all right in paradise, you know? But anyway, Sam, we should probably review our first beer as I think yeah. we both proceeded on to our second one. Uh, you go first. Uh, so wheat meat again, a very enjoyable uh, wheat beer. I, I did like that a lot. It was, um, it was uh, refreshing. It was crisp. Um, it, it, it t- you obviously got that wheat beer taste because it's only a 4.4%. Um, it's pretty light on. So it's actually quite easy to drink. You know, sometimes wheat beers can get a little dense and a little heavy, um, but enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, it just, it, it, it made me feel like sunshine. <laughs> and, and to be fair, I think that would be a great summer beer uh, to have nice and chilled in the summertime. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the wheat meat again, American wheat beer, I'm going to give that, I think I'm going to give that a B plus. I quite like that. Yeah. So I was on a wit beer, Belgian wit beer style. Uh, that was 50 degrees north and uh, four degrees east. Uh, I think the main thing this has going for it is it doesn't taste five percent. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, it is. It's okay. It tastes uh, pretty light, pretty fine. Um, not the yeah. It's not the most sort of fulfilling drink that you could have. Uh, but you know it's okay it's okay uh, i think overall i would give this an a just a flat a uh, nothing uh, yeah nothing nothing to write home about though uh, probably one of the longest names that we've had certainly one with the most digits in it when it comes to uh, you know numbers and the like but now uh, we are on to our our second beer sam what is your second one 
Right. So uh, my second one is a uh, Hefeweizen, uh, which is a, uh, I believe it's some sort of wheat beer. I don't know. What is a, Hef- I, what is a Hefeweizen? <laughs> I've, I've never had a Hefeweizen before. Yeah, something Weizen. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a question for Google Translate rather than myself, I'm afraid. I've seen the word before and I kind of know what Hefeweizen tastes like, but what it actually means is beyond me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, nonetheless, it is called uh, the Durst Crusher. Uh, a little play on words there. Uh, and it's from the S43 Brewery uh, in Durham. And uh, so far, so good. It's, um, you know, it, it, you can't, you know, it's, you can't see through it. So it's not, it's, it's you know, quite a sort of uh, cloudy beer. You can see the shadow of my hand behind it. Um, and it is, it's got the Halatau hops, uh, Pills, Wheat and Munich Malt. Bavarian wheat. Uh, so there you go. It is It is a wheat beer of, of some description. But the Hefeweizen, 5.3%. So it should. I think this is going to be in the sweet spot of where we'll find really good beers around that 5 to 6.5%. So we'll find out very shortly. Oh. Well, great expectations indeed. Uh, on my side, uh, I'm drinking Creaking Morello. And that's Creaking mm. spelled K-R-I-E-K, which is a sort of a, uh, a small pun on uh, cherry beers that are made mm. in Belgium. A creek. This is Creaking Morello, and it is by Anchorhouse Brewery and Firebrand Brewing Co. So it is a collaboration mm. between the two. It is a cherry stout uh, made in Cornwall, I believe. Uh, and uh, yeah, cherry stout. So uh, obviously, obviously not a normal creek. They're going for, they're trying to mix them together. Uh, and it's Cornish craft beer made from humble roots. Our mantra is to brew bold, progressive beers that we love to drink. Well, well, I guess we'll find out just how, uh, how successful they have been in their, uh, in their gambit. And this is apparently a limited batch brew. Uh, so you can't get too many of these things. Apparently inside this, there are pale ale, crystal and chocolate malts. I've not heard of crystal malt or crystal chocolate malt. malt before. And the Magnum hops. So uh, no. that must mean... Uh, yeah, it's going to blow your face off. Yeah, <laughs> 6%. 6% apparently. You know, ah, uh, Sam, actually, when we were uh, discussing the the soft drink side, did you hear, I believe it was this week, that the news broke that Tab, the American rival to, uh, you know, one of the major American soft drinks, yeah. was a big rival, I think, to Coca-Cola, um, has been, uh, is being discontinued. I mean, it's oh. being deleted they have removed it, which is a real tragedy because, you know, you see all these American movies and TV yeah, shows like, where, they're, where they're talking about Tab, and I've never had it. No, me and, now, and now they've killed it. They've just uh, executed the bastard. So that's a real shame. I, I, uh, I feel like I'm going to need to try and source some of this stuff on eBay just so I can have it before the spirit <laughs> dies. It's you too. You, I'll, I'll guarantee you're already too late. So like, like the other day, my wife said there are these... Um, there are these like roast beef and mustard crisps that went that went out of circulation, getting stopped manufactured. What well, was like is Brannigan's, I think, Brannigan's right. roast beef and mustard crisps. She reckons the best crisps ever, and right. um, and they stopped. They like they announced like a month or so, or a couple of months ago, that they were stopping manufacturing Brannigan's roast beef and mustard crisps. And uh, she reckons the only place you can get them now is on eBay where, for the, you know, those tiny little like 30 gram shitty bags of crisps, they're selling for like two quid a bag. Damn. 
which which I think you know you'd probably be able to buy them from like you know thirty p or fifty p or something uh, previously. Uh, that's 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 uh, that's what you call the imbalance of demand and supply, right there. Yeah, it's funny how those things happen. It, it reminded well, it kind of reminds me of how uh, uh, Crystal Pepsi, which uh, was before my time, sadly, uh, but the Pepsi did a re-release of Crystal Pepsi, the tra- you know completely it's, clear. It sounds like Crystal Meth. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so it was actually released, if memory serves, uh, to counter Tab. Uh, it, funnily enough, coincidentally, uh, and Crystal Pepsi was just you know completely clear Pepsi uh, that Pepsi released, and it failed, and it was it got wrecked by Tab ultimately. Uh, but they did a re-release uh, in the last during the last decade. It was a, several years ago. I'm thinking early 2010s, and uh, it was it was a re-release. But uh, there was a viral video that went out that somebody put on YouTube where they they found a bottle of crystal Pepsi in their garage from way back in like the eighties or whatever. And, uh, the, the, the gentleman in question took it upon himself to drink the entire thing in one shot. <laughs> vomited all over the table. And it was quite amusing, uh, but he was then presented by Pepsi with a big case of, they, they'd made crystal Pepsi again, just a, you know, a short run release. Yeah. And I actually bought some of these. I, I found a load of these on eBay, and I, I bought a load of this of this short re-release they did, which I think was prompted by his video. Though I think <laughs> it. And uh, the whole thing was bring back Crystal Pepsi. And I actually bought some. It was actually great. Do I, you still have it, or have you drunk it all? Yeah, yeah, yeah still, I still got a few bottles of it. Because I'm looking on eBay right now, and there's a uh, this is the headline. Rare, full Crystal Pepsi, clear, 20-ounce yeah. bottle, limited time, March... 20 March 17, 2017 is the expiry date on it. So it's already three, like three and a half years beyond its expiry date. Yeah, and it the price, it's eight pounds for yep. this for this tiny bottle of crystal Pepsi. You should try some, mate. Unbelievable. You know, with the uh, with that thing with Tab, it's funny. I uh, you've seen Ready Player One, right? Steve yeah. Steven Spielberg, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, his his adaptation. Great, great movie, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, Spielberg knows how to make a, an entertaining movie. I thought the first half was better than the second one. But uh, interestingly, you know, it's a, it's a depiction of the future. And, uh, you know, now it's just been made less believable because there's that whole scene in it where the antagonist is telling the main character, uh, you know, he's trying to ingratiate himself in with the main character and make him seem like he's actually just a completely nice, normal guy by saying that on, you know, you know, when he when he gets some time off, he just likes to sit back and crack open a tab. And now, of course, that's no longer that's no longer believable. There isn't any tab in the future, right? It's been made completely redundant. Hang on, I'm, I'm going to blow your mind here. I'm just I'm just I I don't really know much about tab. I've seen tab. I know it's in that pink can. Never had one. But it says that it's a, it was created and produced by the Coca Cola company. I think was it assumed was it oh or was this Coca-Cola's rivaled but was this a Coca-Cola creation as a rival to Pepsi? See now it's just I don't know because I don't know. <laughs> like I know the Pepsi Coca-Cola wars are, uh, still go on to this day. Yeah, um, yeah. I, some, I, I, there I, are some great documentaries on uh, on the streaming services about that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen one. I remember some one of these you know one of these like Pepsi marketing executives who's retired in some 
you know, ludicrously expensive place in probably in Beverly Hills somewhere. And it's all, you know, it looks like some sort of samurai's house, you know, where they've got the weird sort of sliding doors and everything. And him saying about how, uh, you know, he met another, a Coca-Cola, like, rival, you know, a Coca-Cola marketing executive who was his rival uh, in person. And, you know, they could never, they could never be friends because this was, like, they genuinely believed this was some kind of spiritual war. You know, they, it, it was... Uh, speaking about how day after day, every day, it was just trying to screw Coca-Cola. You know, they they went into work thinking, "This is it. We this is the fight today. We can't let people drink Coke. They've got to drink Pepsi." And so when he'd retired, and he met one of these guys, he could respect him. It, it was as though he really wished he was a warrior, and this was some other rival guy. It, like they couldn't be friends, but he could respect him. It was so you know, it was quite. Uh, and what would be the word for it? It was quite, how would I say, it, it, was, it was kind of cliche. It was, it was kind of cringe, to be honest with you. I mean, it was like, a, <laughs> guys, it was soft drinks, right? You were just selling soft drinks. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the guy obviously had become very wealthy from it. So he must have been uh, barking up the right tree. Do you know what? I think I've just decided I've, I've got a new theory for some of these companies. So I, I want to ask you a couple of questions here. Do you think... Over. Maybe there's another one off the back of this book. Do you think Coke, a Coca-Cola company, would be as successful as it has been without it having the antithesis of the Pepsi company to have that war with? Before you answer that question, do you also think McDonald's would have been as successful as it is without the similar uh, uh, rival company in, in Burger King uh, to to effectively have ongoing wars with, um, do you think you know Microsoft and Apple would necessarily be what they are today without that you know whole PC versus Mac war that went on you know sort of in the nineties and two thousands? I, I I think that the success for some of these really big sort of long standing companies like again you know arguably Nintendo and Sony as well. Um, or back in the day, it was Nintendo and Sega, of, of course. But I think for some of these really big, long-standing companies that are really entrenched in in their industries, I'm not sure that they can ever be as, as successful without some sort of very comparative company on the same level that they can effectively have an ongoing war with. You know, it's like China and the US, but in <laughs> in, in, in fast-moving consumer goods. Um, and I think that. Without that competition, I, I, I mean, the, all industry has competition, but you need someone on the same level to really push each other forward and to become, you know, giants effectively of that industry. I just wonder if, if what we, you know, if companies don't have that, that that equal peer to push against and pull against and, and have that war with whether they achieve the success that they they could do well i think uh, you know i think i definitely think there's something there when it comes to competition right so competition is ultimately what drives all efficiency yeah um and that's why you know uh, i'm generally against things like you know uh, state subsidies and uh, when you whenever you have the government trying to do something you know it never has to compete so you had that, you know, that case where the Canadian government was the worst drug dealer ever and managed to lose money selling marijuana because, you know, ultimately it wasn't needing to compete on any kind of free market level with other 
uh, vendors for marijuana, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, you find all manner of other you know state-owned enter- enterprises (SOEs) uh, which you know just burn money and they don't they don't generate wealth and they don't uh, they certainly don't uh, give it back to their shareholders very often either. So, I mean, I think competition is a big part of that. And of course, when you have a public competition, that's free advertising ultimately, because you have, uh, you, you create uh, all manner of engagement, both positive and negative uh, from yeah. uh, the owners of the, of the opposite brand's goods. Uh, and of course, you have all of that brand identity that goes with it, because as soon as you have a conflict, you get people who are identified with one brand and that will, you know, the, the fact that someone else is wearing something else will only make you more loyal to your brand. Absolutely. Very similar with cars uh, yep. and general, especially when things do. Uh, well, know, that's what's playing out with Tesla, right? Right. Yeah. And things with, uh, you know, clothing brands as well, uh, of course. Yeah. However. Nike, uh, Adidas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there are plenty of Darbies that we can find through uh, <laughs> all through the fashion space easily. I mean, they're, they're all about infighting and cat fighting and, and all manner of, uh, of conflict. However, and however, I would, uh, you know, as, as we often do on this podcast, I would actually say uh, if, uh, if Coca-Cola did not have to, would Coca-Cola be successful had Pepsi not been there? I, I would say actually yes, because if Pepsi was not there, then Coca-Cola would just have totally saturated all of the market when it comes to uh, Pepsi's customers. If Pepsi wasn't there, well, then they just would have sold Pet Coke to all of what is now Pepsi's customers. Uh, and they wouldn't have had much competition in doing it, which would have made them less efficient. However, uh, in all of these derbies that you've uh, you've lined up between uh, two big brands, if the competitor wasn't there, then it, I think it just means that the uh, sort of the superpower would have just been able to saturate the market and make way more money. So sure, they get loads of marketing, they get loads of advertising, uh, loads of publicity from the, uh, the, the abrasiveness, uh, the abrasion between the brands. And the you know the advertising wars and all things like that. However, had the opponent not existed, then I think they would have been way more successful because, of course, they just would have been able to saturate the market. They just would have been able to take all of those rival customers. Uh, that would be that would be my view on it. But the thing is, the the fact that there is a rival is uh, you know it's a it's not well it's a symptom, but there's a will be a better word for it. I mean, it, it's a signal that demand was such for this kind of product that it couldn't be, uh, you know, it couldn't be, it couldn't be um, annulled, you know, it couldn't be uh, met by one company. I mean, that's why these derbies exist, why these conflicts exist, is because there is so much demand for something that one company doing it isn't enough, right? They can't meet all of the demand. That's why there is that other demand. So I think the, if, Pepsi not existing is impossible for me to imagine because Coca-Cola was clearly not delivering enough of the good stuff. I mean, that's why Pepsi was there to you know take advantage of it all, and, and you know Coca-Cola vice versa. You know, it's a symptom of how much people want various things is why you end up with this competition. Uh, that would be my uh, so it's impossible for me to imagine a world where Pepsi didn't exist and it was just Coca-Cola. Yeah, I love I love these sort of thought games where, you know, you, a world without Pepsi is it just where everything is Coke, or is it <laughs> is it is it a world where there's ten more Pepsis, but but, uh-huh. but but smaller, and Coke isn't as successful because they're now competing against ten instead of two. Like how many how many companies did Pepsi prevent from getting to their level? 
uh, that could have been uh, equally as competitive or even more dominant. Do you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you, you need that competition to continue to drive innovation and development. Um, but sometimes maybe without it, the companies that were there in the first place get too complacent at a point and then you have yep. a number of other competitors. It's just an interesting way of, of I think, of, of looking at, at yeah. companies. And, and, but what you, but you're right, you're absolutely right, is, is when the market is big enough, there's always space for more than one. Yeah. And that's, I think that's now really important to understand when you do look at a lot of the, you know, these companies that are very big and very dominant in their space. It, yes, they have got a large controlling share of the market, but the market is big enough that they can lose a lot of that to others that are, are able to break into what, what you know, and the thing with with modern technology and the world we live in is that barriers to entry into industries and markets continue to fall and become more accessible. Um, so I think that 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 actually probably does bring up that point is that all markets really now more than ever uh, are able to be disrupted and to have newcomers, you know, gather quite significant market shares in short periods of time. Yeah, I think in that. Uh... You know, I think this actually ties back to the podcast I did last week uh, when we were talking about, um, you know, just when it comes to the decisions not made by some of the big firms. So uh, yeah. Yahoo buying out Facebook, for example, yeah. and the decision not made and assembly the decision not to acquire Netflix by Blockbuster, if, uh, if memory serves. You know, how would the future have been different? If, if this had not happened, right, you know, there must have been considering the few, when it comes to uh, very large corporations and the sort of the board meetings and the discussions that were made, not to take a certain action. It does make you wonder, as there were so few people involved, just how different things could have been had, so, you know, just a few circumstances been different, right? You know, had just a few board members felt, you know, had they if they'd just seen, for example, a Netflix advertisement or their, their kid had talked about the internet and how movies were going to be a future, you know, would, would those blockbuster executives have, you know, have made the decision, hey, actually, maybe acquiring Netflix is a good idea, even if the price <laughs> does seem quite a lot, you know? And how, how different the future would have been. And similarly, like with, uh, with Pepsi acquiring so many brands and Coca-Cola acquiring so many brands, you know, if, they'd, if they'd had a slightly different or and less aggressive acquisition process how they actually could have destroyed them if there had been a good enough brand that had, uh, that they didn't acquire that had been cunning enough to uh, you know acquire way more of the soft soft drink market share and then go on to uh, to, to take on the big boys it does make you think yeah i mean it, it, it is it, these 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 are all very much hypotheticals uh, and whatnot and uh you know, I, I think I think we'll see newcomers, and I think that with industries like you know fast-moving consumer goods and food and beverage and things like that, is that there are enough competitors in that space now of such significant size because the market is so big that they they will continue on with their sort of acquisition uh, strategies. You know, they absorb competitors left, right, and center, PepsiCo and and Coke and uh, you know the the likes of the, of those companies, Diageo as as well, and um, 
you know, Diagio. Diagio, Diego. 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 You yeah, did, don't ever. We we all know by now that my, the pronunciation of me with words of, of 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 foreign nature is very poor. Oh no no no! I, I, it's just the uh, Diego is the name. I think is. Uh, uh, just, I'm just thinking of sort of the this Mexican uh, you know, firm that's buying up all of these Scotch whiskey uh, distilleries, uh, and you know making a, making a big name out of it. Now, I, um, uh, sorry, before we finish, I know we're going to finish up soon, but I want to just make one one final point, and this comes back to my idea about shorting the Nasdaq 100. I'm oh, just having a bit of a yeah. squeeze through here. So get this: <laughs> what the the one year performance so far? Adobe, 85 percent. Um, what else we got here? Amazon, 80 percent. AMD, 154 percent. Apple, 95 percent. Autodesk, 81 percent. What's Monster? Uh, Can you check Monster? Hang on, I'll get to it. Cadence Design Systems, 68%. Um, there's a few others in the 30s. Facebook, 41%. IDEX Laboratories, 50%. Uh, page 2, which is where Monster will be. Uh, what else we got? Intuitive Surgical, 30%. Lamb Research, 52%. Uh, Monster, 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 42%. Oh, yeah. um, Mercado Libre, 144%. Uh, JD.com, 166%. NVIDIA, 178%. Netflix, 88%. Tesla, 732%. So, you know, this is all in one year. When I go to the Dow Jones... <laughs> no. When I go to the Dow Jones... Oh, no. I, and I'm not counting Apple here. The biggest gain that isn't in the NASDAQ is 33%. And what is it? Nike. No, Nike. Yep. Yeah. 33% in the Dow Jones is the biggest gain. Well, I mean, it's good year-to-date performance. I don't think anybody at Nike or any of the uh, investors in Nike are... Uh, are are bemoaning the lack of returns from the from the company 33% third up in a year pretty good that's great i'm just saying that i just i just generally tend to think that it's the tech industry is wildly wildly over oh no no big time big time i mean well i mean tell us more about the dow jones so go through a few a few more of okay. those companies sure so them- uh 3m up up 3% for the year uh amgen 13% uh, Caterpillar 27, Boeing's down 49, Chevron's down 38, Cisco is down 17. Uh, oh, God, actually, Cisco's in the NASDAQ, so we won't count that. Home Depot, 20%, Honeywell, 2%, Intel, no, that's NASDAQ. Johnson Johnson, 12%, McDonald's, 8%. Uh, what else we got here? Verizon down 5.76, although that might be NASDAQ as well. Uh, Walt Disney down 4%, Walgreens down 31%, Visa up 12%. So like 12% so okay that's that's a decent year right so maybe I mean, you'd expect a, that in a good year. Yeah I mean like I, I to be honest with you Sam I mean I think we are um I mean if we're just looking at the American markets and we're looking at blue chip. Yeah. Uh, it is it, just listening to these returns I mean I think it is remarkable like some of these some of those are bad yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but relative to the rest of the world, I mean, 
Yeah, that still, is an extraordinarily it's good. Still an extraordinary year. Yeah, in terms of just for the Dow. I mean, if you'd if you'd held nothing but the Dow, you'd still be laughing because if you compare the Dow to say what's gone gone on in the Euro stocks or what's gone on in South America, or uh, you know, if you look to you know the Russian stock or the FTSE, I mean, just some of those are you know it's it's remarkable. And it does make you wonder if there's something different about America, right? This is the this is the classic story of American yeah. exceptionalism. But I don't think there is. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't think America is that unique that it is that much better than the rest of the world's markets. Well, but it's about that dollar. It's got to be about the dollar. I I, w- I would expect anyway. And and as and the dollar status creating making sure making any dollar denominated asset within America, especially, uh, you know, just way more shiny than in, in another country. Oh, that would be my, it has uh, to be, it yeah. has to be, but like, so yeah, even, even, uh, certainly NASDAQ is certainly, uh, beating the Dow when it comes to that, but yeah. Wow. I mean, some of those stories in the Dow, yeah. Incredible for 3M considering the number of masks they must have mass produced and, uh, and, you know, sent to all manner of countries. It's wild that its returns were really, you know, still positive for the year, but it's... Uh, well, that, that really you're right. That alone tells the story, the fact that they... But, but I think that's probably the story, is that a company like 3M really tells us is that, so when we go back a year, we're going back to last year, before all of this kicked off, things are probably about 3%. If you took out the coronavirus situation, you would, you would, you would say that things are probably about 3% better for them in their market but then you apply that in and what's happened and you would you would suggest that maybe they would struggle but i don't know maybe that doesn't really make sense but i i I think i think 3m's probably the kind of company and and again you you probably find others similar to that that suggest that the road back to what things were will be swifter than uh than people probably anticipate right now. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be this boon for all these tech stocks. If anything, if the road back to normality is quite swift, then I think the boon for all these tech stocks actually winds off a lot faster than people expect. Hmm. I mean, 3M, I would say, I mean, it's a, it's a great defensive stock in terms of what it does. You know, it's I mean, well, the amount of well, friggin' wall sticky things that I buy to hang right. up pictures and shit alone keeps them in business. Yeah. I mean, they do. Sam uh, <laughs> Volkring does give 3M a lot of business. One of their biggest clients, Jesus. I think we'll find. But, pictures yeah, I mean, always need moving in the house, man. <laughs> I think the, uh, I mean, the company, uh, it's, it's one of the sort of the great global leaders, often under noted. I mean, it just has such a banal name. You, know, you could probably use it as uh, the antagonist in, a, in an action movie or something. The 3M Corporation. You know, so, you know, it's so non-personable, if that's a word. I mean, so it, it lacks, it, it sounds so corporate. But I mean, at the same time, it's such a, in terms of all of the things that they do well outside of masks, when it just comes to basic materials, it's quite a, quite an interesting stock. And, you know, it is up. So it, uh, if you're a defensive investor, owning 3M, you're still and doing well. for what for what it's worth, PepsiCo is up 2.64% for the year. Rolling, 40%. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, anyway, dude, let's uh, let's let's review these beers before we uh, we part yes. company for the evening. So uh, the 
Yeah, the 5.3% uh, Durst Crusher from S43 Brewery, which is a Hefeweizen. Uh, very nice. It, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it had the aromas, the taste, and the hallmarks of a Belgian beer uh, to me, uh, which, uh, although I think it's, it's, it's very much sort of a German beer, it has, it has a lot of that, um, that sense of a Belgian beer, which I really like. Uh, and I actually, I, I really like this beer a lot. This is this is one of my favourites, believe it or not, that I've had for some time. I think the alcohol content is in the sweet spot. I like a, I like a Belgian beer that's not too sort of heavy, um, but has these sort of weird kind of uh, aromas. And I, I almost want to say citrusy aromas to it, but I'm not sure that's necessarily the right description. But it has, a, it reminds me of things like a, like orange for some reason. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. And uh, I'm going to give that a double B. Damn. Yeah. Which is up it's there. It's not, it's not right, right up there, but it's, it's up there. Yeah. So uh, similarly, I was very impressed with uh, creaking Morello. Uh, it is a, it is a cherry stout. Uh, the stout side uh, very much. So in terms of the color and the texture, uh, however, it was, you really did get a lot of that cherry there. Uh, it's, mm. It tasted to me, it reminded me an awful lot, actually, of, you know, probably when I was a, when I was a kid, I think, and I tasted, for the first time, it was a Green and Blacks did a, you know, dark chocolate bar that had cherry in it. I had one of these miniatures. It was, it was just a Green and Blacks, dark chocolate and cherry. And this reminds me an awful lot of it. You've got this, Like a cherry ripe. Have you ever had a cherry ripe? Do you know what a no, cherry ripe is? No, I don't. Oh, it's an Australian chocolate bar. Similar thing. It's like a darker chocolate with cherry. It's like like that, you know, the inside of a bounty. It's that texture, but cherry. Right, right. This one, in this case, it was, uh, I think it was just like, they just dumped dried cherries. Into this <laughs> Delicious. This, uh, this does actually, this does remind me an awful lot of it, this, uh, this cherry stout. And uh, at the same time, it doesn't have any of sort of the aftertaste that you normally get with a stout. Uh, so I actually, I really like this. I'm going to give it a B plus, six uh, percent. Nice. But you know, and it is quite, quite filling. I suppose it's probably really high in calories, but it is a, uh, it's very enjoyable. I would definitely recommend it. Creaking Morello. But yeah, Sam. Any closing remarks for episode nineteen of the Triple B podcast? Well, it's all this talk about uh, beverages today and, and, and drinking beverages. Um, it's made me thirsty. No, I've, I'm, I'm not thirsty anymore. I really need to go to the toilet, actually. So I think I'll probably just leave on that note. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. That was episode 19 of the Booze, Booms and Bust podcast. We shall be back next week. We also have been, uh, in, the, in the meantime, we're getting close to the, uh, the reveal, the announcement oh, of yes. uh, some beer we've actually had commissioned uh, oh. from the very good folks over at Cheddar Ales. For that announcement, we shall wait until next week. Uh, we'll tell you all about it. But in the meantime, I uh, hope you have a good weekend and we shall see you in the next one.